0: everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of my brand new podcast called Let's Read Out. My first guest and I are no strangers. We did residency together at the University of California, San Diego. He then went on to do his body fellowship at Stanford University, and I was pretty jealous, so I had to follow in his footsteps. He is now a bigwig attending, and I'm sure winning lots of teaching awards. Welcome, Dr. Aman Karana.
1: Hey, Lindsay. Um, my name is Aman Karana. I'm one of the assistant professors at University of Kentucky, and I'm a recent graduate of the Body Imaging Fellowship at Stanford University.
0: It's great to talk to you again, Aman. Uh, what's our topic for today's first podcast?
1: Uh, today, we're going to talk about peritoneal titbits. Uh, these are tidbits I learned during my fellowship, and I want to start with this story with Dr. Desser, Dr. Terry Desser. So we were reading out and she shows me these calcifications in the peritoneum. And I'm like, oh, this is just old stuff. This is nothing. And then she comes up and says, you know, this is all cancer. And I'm blown away.
0: What did you think it was?
1: Well, I really thought they were like, I don't know, prior calcifications from some kind of therapy or TB or infection. I really didn't think there was anything big because they were very non-interesting. And then she was like, hey, these are all calcifications from serious ovarian cancer. Even though I got trained at a cancer center, uh, just the way she taught us about it was very interesting. And now when I am the assistant professor and I tell people about this, same reaction. Nobody thinks these are cancerous deposits. So basically what they are, are these serious ovarian cancer calcifications, which happen in peritoneum all the time. And I learned it first time from Dr. Desser. And that was a great eye-opening time for me.
0: Do these deposits, among remain calcified post-treatment?
1: That's very interesting, Lindsay, because that's the question I asked her. How do we know when they are actually treated? So believe it or not, because the calcifications in these tumors are the tumor cells itself, once you treat them, the calcifications actually go away. You don't get calcifications after treating these. In fact, if you're seeing the calcifications go down, that means that tumor tissue around those is decreasing. So a very interesting question.
0: Are serous ovarian subtypes the most common type to calcify in the GYN tumors?
1: So in this case, I remember specifically um, us opening up Epic and trying to figure out what type of subtype of ovarian cancer this patient had. And she actually had a serous ovarian cancer and they are most common with a serous subtype of ovarian cancer.
0: Are there any other tumors that calcify?
1: So ovarian tumors, the serous tumors calcify, but in the GI tumors, the mucinous calcify. And I think this is a great pearl, which you know I learned from all uh, all my attendings. And now when I'm an attending, I get to see this, you know, almost on a monthly basis, where there is a mucinous GI tumor, and when it met- metastasized to the liver, you see these small subcapsular lesions which are calcified. And again, the same thing goes in my head: is this a peritoneal tumor? Is this a mucinous GI tumor? And in most cases, you know, you can't really find a tumor, uh, except for this one case I saw where there was an intussusception. Uh, but I think what I want to uh, mention to everybody is the serous ovarian tumors versus the mucinous GI tumors. Both of them calcify and how they could look in the peritoneum. Another thing I think we should all think about, and I want to sh- start with a case because this happened maybe last week where this lady came in with this big mass on an abdominal x-ray. She was complaining of left upper quadrant pain. And we see this big mass on her x-ray and we tell them, hey, you need a CT. There was a big ovarian tumor coming from her pelvis, going to her upper abdomen. But then we end up seeing this one calcified deposit in the peritoneum. And everybody was like, "Well, what is this? Could it be a deposit from these peritoneal ovarian cancer?" Um, but we only saw a solitary deposit. So one thing I want everybody to uh, to to remember are these calcified torsed epiploic appendages. Uh, these can be solitary. They can be cal- They they can be usually calcified, and they move around in the peritoneum the same way the tumor moves around. So if you see a solitary calcified uh, little ditzel or a tidbit in the peritoneum, you need to think about epiploic appendage, which could have torsed and calcified. Sometimes omental infarcts can also look partially calcified when they have been kind of evolved through after surgery. So yes, tumor can look like that, but benign things can also look calcified in the peritoneum.
0: Can you talk a little bit more, Amon, about this movement in the peritoneal uh, cavity? As I've often encountered these peritoneal nodules or implants, and it is so hard to track from one study to the, to the next um, because of uh, they're moving around.
1: So that's where Dr. Federley's work come in. So he teaches you really nicely when you talk to him about the peritoneal flow. Because these calcifications are these tumor deposits flowing in the peritoneum, they have a pattern. And the pattern is because the peritoneum flows from the pelvis up to the left upper quadrant of the abdomen, a lot of these are actually seen by the spleen. And that's where I thought maybe they were prior surgery. Uh, they can also be seen by the, the liver. So, you know, I still have these drawings on my iPad from Dr. Federle, uh with his original signature, which talks about all the peritoneal flow pattern.
0: With all this movement, Amon, how do you really keep track of index lesions over time?
1: That's an interesting point. So it is hard to keep a track of, you know, small, slender um lesions or calcifications so my recommendation what i tell my residents and fellows during readouts uh is that find the biggest roundest lesion there is sometimes it could actually be in the uh, umbilic uh, in the umbilicus or in the abdominal wall we've all heard about the sister mary joseph's nodule right so uh, if you see one of those that is technically a peritoneal deposit going through the umbilicus if you see that measure the biggest roundest meanest looking thing do not measure the thin slender ones because they can change and they can move um, and that would be hard to follow from one scan to another
0: that's a great point and uh, not to forget to look at that umbilicus for that peritoneal implant Before wrapping up, Amon, I just wanted to take a second for you to talk about protocoling of these GYN cancers, as I know they can vary quite significantly from institutions.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually a very interesting question, and um, I think at uh, UCSD we did not, but uh, at Stanford and at my current place, which is University of Kentucky, we do use oral contrast, and I think I think it's actually probably better to use it, especially when you cannot give IV contrast, or especially if there are cirrhosal implants. So all of these implants can happen on the bowel wall. And when they're very subtle, you do need some contrast in the bowel wall to differentiate from that. So, you know, people debate about, they can actually be more confusing. But I think think whatever protocol you guys follow out there, just follow the same protocol every single time. Uh, But I personally think, uh, some of the ones can actually be easier to see when you have oral contrast, especially when you cannot give IV contrast.
0: That's perfect, Amon, and a, and a great uh, pearl for trainees when they protocol some of these outpatient examinations. We had some wonderful points today, Amon, and would you go ahead and, and wrap up for us?
1: Yeah, so the take-home messages for this podcast, Peritoneal tidbits is... Um, look for calcifications in the peritoneum Uh, they can be tumor Uh, keep a close eye on the ovaries make sure it's not GYN related Uh, keep a close eye on the colon it could be mucinous tumors with calcifications look for solitary epiploic appendages or a mental infarcts Um, and then remember the peritoneum flows so these lesions can actually move can change and remember the counterclockwise pattern of peritoneal flow uh, hopefully, this will help you in your next readout in your next case together, your next case on uh, evening shift, uh, or your next case on call.
0: Thank you so much, Amon, for a wonderful and dynamic first episode. Um, you have a high bar that you've set.
1: My pleasure, Lindsay.
0: That's a wrap on our very first episode of peritoneal tidbits with Dr. Aman Karana. I hope uh, you'll take a little time outside the reading room for yourself and you'll come back to Clinically Correlate with us.